Hello and welcome back to episode 34 of the Rugby Paper podcast. Although the financial situation in the Gallagher Premiership is constantly developing, I wanted to take a bit more of a rugby focus for this week's episode. To do so, I'm rejoined by digital editor Nick Powell, and off the back of what you could definitely call a dream Premiership debut, we're welcoming on Sale Sharks fullback Joe Carpenter. I'm rejoined by our digital editor Nick Powell. How are you doing, Nick? Yeah, not too bad, Ollie. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. And we are with a Sale Shark for the first time on the Rugby Paper podcast, 34 episodes in. It's about time. In the form of fullback Joe Carpenter. How are you doing, Joe? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no worries at all. And obviously, we're off the back of a fairly good weekend for you. Dream debut is a bit of a cliche, but is that how you describe it? Obviously, premiership debut, sorry. Yeah, uh, probably, um, to be honest. I don't think much else could have gone better for me, really. We came off the back of two real good wins coming into the the squad for the first time. You know, we want to try and keep that momentum going. When did you find out you'd be getting your prem debut? debut. Just shortly after the uh, prem cup game against Leicester, the boys had a, the, the first team had a week off on that weekend and I found out on the Friday um, after the Tuesday game that I'd be involved the weekend after. So yeah, I had, I had a bit of time to get my head round and get in the zone. Were you expecting it by that or, you know, had you geared yourself up for it by that point or was it a lot of time to sort of process and then, you know, get yourself in the right frame of mind? Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, you know, unfortunately, Luke James, you know, played re- real well in the first two games, went down with with an ankle injury. So I thought after kind of Tuesday, if all went well on Tuesday, there could be there could be a potential opportunity there to get a game in the first team. Um, and luckily, luckily it did. And then couldn't be happier. Joe, I was just going to ask, when you headed out for that Prem debut, what's the expectation? Is it kind of a case of let's not try and make a mistake here? Or are you just focused on what's in front of you when you go out there? You know, Every game you kind of want to just, you know, stay in the moment. We we say it quite a lot um, with our guys, just kind of focusing on what's what's happening during the game. Um, you know, Prem Cup's a real good opportunity for for young lads, you know, especially now with them being midweekers and, you know, in, in between Prem games, it's an opportunity for a lot of young lads to get, get a senior game where they might not have potentially got it in the past. And for us as, you know, as a team, we kind of just want to go out and, and express ourselves in those Prem Cup games. You know, the coaches want to see the young lads showing what they can do. And obviously, off the back of it, if we come out and get a win and put in a good performance, you know, based around our systems as a whole, the Sail Sharks, then they're even happier. What's it like lining up with, um, I was going to ask about Manu Tuolangi later on, but obviously lining up with someone like that, who probably one of the most fearsome names in world rugby, and you go from a Prem Cup game, which, you know, like you say, you want to show what you're about, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is... With you know, welcome to the big leagues, essentially. Yeah, you know, I mean, kind of being twenty-one, you know, you kind of grow up watching, watching him, and you know, other players around you on that pitch. You know, you had kind of Slade and Stuart Hogg on the other team, and our side, you know, Curry, Johnny Hill, those boys. You kind of watch them growing up, and to be on the pitch with them, it's it's a real good feeling. But like I said to like I said to Nick, then it's kind of just about being in the moment and not letting those uh, not letting those things overcast kind of what's going to happen during the game. I know Jason Robinson was a bit of an idol for you. Was Stuart Hogg someone that you looked up to and you tried to take a bit of inspiration from? I guess I would argue he's not in his prime anymore, but that's that's my personal feeling. But prime Stuart Hogg, 2014, 2015, that was when you were sort of really coming through the ranks, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, some of the some of the stuff he's, he's done in the past is just incredible in terms of, you know, his running game, his kicking game. And that side of him, you know, he scored brilliant tries and massive games in the Six Nations and the World Cup for, you know, a Scotland side that's probably not been as, probably wasn't as good as it 
could have been back then playing against teams like England that, you know, expected to win in Ireland. Um, and he was kind of coming out scoring 50-meter, 60-meter tries regularly. So he's definitely someone that I've been looking at and wanting to kind of develop a similar game to. Speaking of tries, talk me through yours. Talk me through the the emotion, the, you know, itching for the ball. It was obviously a massive missed pass and there was plenty of space out left. Were you worried that it wasn't going to come your way? Slightly. Um, you know, when you're in the when you're in the moment, you see a lot of space in the front in front of you. You just want the ball. Um, I was screaming at flats, trying to tell, trying to get Gus's attention. And Gus said, you know, he just had a little peek over and saw one one defender. He was like, there must be some space out there, so he he slung it. Uh, so yeah, you know, when the ball was coming over, and you know, you just focus on getting it right, and then you can celebrate and have that happy moment afterwards. It was quite a big celebration. Did that feel like a bit of a culmination moment for you? I know you've had your injury struggles. You've obviously sort of toed and froed between Nottingham, Sale FC, etc. Did this feel like a sort of coming together moment for you? Definitely. You know, it was just one of those one of those things where you never want to expect and force a try to happen. You know, it's, it's, it was one of those where the, kind of the opportunity arose. And like you said, yeah, it's been quite a few years of hard work and playing at different clubs in different areas and, you know, to score for the team that, you, you know, you're striving to play for. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah, I was just going to ask how, how you're feeling as a team. You know, five wins from five in the league, and then you've obviously got the Prem Cup as well, where you're playing some really nice attacking rugby and doing really well in that competition. What do you think the difference is between this year and last year? Because the expectation level in terms of the bookies' odds is pretty similar to what it was last year. Both of those years was pretty high, um, but how is it really translating into really really good performance? Uh, certainly in the domestic game so far. I think especially kind of just round the round the training ground, there's 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 a real good buzz around the team and boys are really, really getting on and enjoying this start of the season. Al's come in and you know he's he's made a few changes here and there, especially off the field, kind of having different activities, different stuff on in preseason and during the season, just to you know keep the boys not just at the training ground. Because he he feels that you know you, you develop a lot more you develop them connections better off the field and then when you come on the field I mean you probably saw it when we scored and won that boys were running in lads were celebrating and supporting each other the whole time but I think that comes from you know being off the field and properly getting to know who you're playing with and enjoying who you're playing with because then you kind of come out and perform that a little bit better and take the edge some games. Does that compare, I guess, most, you know, you'll never have someone say that the team isn't very close, if that makes sense. But do you feel like that especially is a distinction from, you know, when you came to sale for the first time back in 2020? Do you think there is an additional level of camaraderie? I think definitely. And I think it's just because of kind of, you know, these, like I say, these extra activities that we do, like he, he took us down to London. He's, he's taking us to kind of this dark swung activity day. He's got people in guys like Wayne that we've got in now that's come from kind of the like the army background on how you can real tighten up as a group. And yeah, you can see it on the pitch at the moment and it and it goes throughout the whole team really, like you say, with the Prem Cup and the Prem, five wins at the start of the season couldn't be much better for a side. You like your golf, don't you? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it at the moment. <laughs> Who's the best golfer in the team? You can't say yourself. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it was Faf, but he's, uh, he's left us. Um, but Josh Bowman is is a great golfer at the moment. He's he's obviously had a few injuries, so he's not he's not been playing probably as much as he liked to be. But he's a he's a good golfer. 
What was so good about Fast well. Game? I just wanted to ask. <laughs> I never actually played with him. Um, oh, it, lads just said he he tanked the ball and it went pretty pretty straight. Always going for the greens, I reckon. Very yeah. yeah. What do you play off, uh, Joe? Um, I'm not the best myself. Probably about. 18 to 20. Okay, yeah, uh, similar to me. I keep round. I'm not, I'm not great, but I, I, I do enjoy it on a day off. Oh, it's early days though. And obviously you'll probably be playing every every couple of weeks for the next however long in your career, I, I would guess. So <laughs> hopefully, yeah. And in terms of the club going forward, five wins from five. You've obviously got Tigers coming up this weekend. We'll get to that towards the end of the podcast. But there is a feeling to me that there are a few reasons why you guys may not have yet hit top gear. One of them is a certain George Ford, who obviously hasn't come back yet from his injury. That's obviously incredibly, incredibly exciting. I would argue that Manu Tuolangi has been somewhat kept quiet so far as well. Do you think there's more to come? I think definitely. You know, when you've got a guy like George in the squad that's that's not playing, he's he's doing his he's doing his all for what he can do. You know, he's especially for this weekend leading into the, the Champions Leicester. Obviously, he's got quite a good insight on. Their mentality and how they've uh, how they've been prepping for the last few years and how they prep against Sale, um, which is obviously helpful to have in the background. But he's you know stepping up in meetings, units meetings, um, and just kind of putting the detail in and helping where he can. Now, obviously, it would be uh, nice to have him on the field, but you know I think I think we are going great. Rob's been playing real good rugby as well, so I think you know you'll always have an extra gear. But at the minute, I think we're, we're looking good. How far off is George? It's early, early 2023 he's expected back, isn't it? He is, yeah. Um, I think, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs massively, um, but, you know, around Christmas time, maybe slightly after could be. Yeah, obviously Achilles is a long one. Yeah. Injuries is one thing and hopefully, you know, you mentioned a couple of injuries already in the first few games and also personnel loss for internationals and things like that. The word playoffs will have been thrown around in pre-season you know, will probably be continue to be thrown around. Do you see that as the primary obstacle for getting to a playoff place? I don't think so. I think it just comes from the whole squad kind of stepping up. We know the internationals will go at some point and, you know, injuries are, are bound to happen within the squad. It's just how kind of, you know, if it, young lads stepping up or, you know, boys that potentially are benching a bit more than starting, a, it's, it's time for their turn to get the shirt on and, and show what, what they can do. You know, we're pretty confident that a lot of boys can step into that role and uh, perform on the weekend. But it's just about, you know, being a being a depth, a squad with depth and a squad that's going to go out and perform every weekend, you know, depending on who's playing. We love a good prediction here on the Rugby Paper podcast. So I'm going to ask you to stick your neck out. Where are Sale finishing this year? We, I mean, we'd love to say top. And at the minute we can we can push for that. You know, we've hopefully, you know, touch wood. We haven't lost yet and we can keep that going. Um, so, fingers crossed. Top and playoff place, no doubt. I think so this year, definitely, yeah. Good stuff, right? Well, we look forward to it. Now, I want to zoom in a bit from Sale to Joe Carpenter in particular. And I'm going to ask you a question that I hate being asked myself, but give us your story. Sort of let people get to know Joe Carpenter a little bit more. Um, so, I uh, I grew up in Leeds um, with my parents, you know, not far from um, Headingley Stadium. And, you know, I grew up watching Carnegie, really, Yorkshire Carnegie. Um, they were kind of a team that I, I followed. I used to go down after a after a game, after our club game on the weekend or before. Um, if they played on Saturday, we played on the Sunday um, and obviously watched watched England growing up. I played for a little club called West Park, 
Um, didn't go to a private school when I was younger. Um, so kind of just played club rugby till I was about 16. Um, and I was got into the Yorkshire Academy at about 15. So kind of I had Yorkshire and West Park as, as my main bits of rugby. And then um, as I got older, I went to a private school, luckily got a scholarship um, to Woodhouse Grove, um, ended up playing there. I played with James Whitcomb, who's at Leicester now. He's been, um, we've, had, we've had him on this podcast, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went to school with him. He, me and him played at, played at Woodhouse together. Oh, nice. Um, he obviously went to, uh, to Leicester quite young before the Yorkshire picked him up. So he sold us out a little bit there. But, and then I was at Yorkshire um, and then kind of went on playing for Yorkshire in the Academy League. And then, you know, the, the whole thing happened with Carnegie where they kind of just, it all went to, all went to pot really. And at that point, the, the the coaches and the team manager were quite quite honest with us and said, look, kind of the future of, of Carnegie is probably not going to be in the championship next year. So if you kind of, if you have the opportunity and the, and the willingness to move on and go somewhere else, then like we want, we want that to happen for you. Um, and they were really good about it and got in touch with kind of clubs and said, look, does any, does any clubs want, want these lads? And luckily Sale came in and kind of I've been here for the past four years. It's really interesting, actually. I've got, yeah, I've got a quick question on the, on the Yorkshire situation. Um, <clears throat> I've been told not to burden you with too many questions about big news this week around Worcester, but Obviously, you'll relate to the experience, in part, you relate particularly to the academy boys, to the experience they must be going through at the moment. What is that experience like when you foresee yourself playing for a club for a while and then you have to uh, consider your options? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's never good for, for any club to go through anything like that. It's, it's, it's awful for kind of everyone involved there. You know, the players, the staff, and even all, all the back backroom staff that, you know, do do loads of work behind the scenes. Um, at Yorkshire, it was one of those things where, you know, you like I said, I supported them. I wanted to play for them. I thought that was probably going to be my pathway um, as a young lad coming through. You know, obviously I had aspirations to push on from Carnegie at some point. But, you know, at the time I was thinking, have a year, have a year and a half in the champ and hopefully move on from there. So it did come a bit quicker than expected, you know, moving into that premiership environment. But, kind of at the time you have to be rugby focused and kind of a bit selfish in that fact where if the if the club can't you know provide it unfortunately as a player you're going to have to you know look to move on and kind of push your career further if if it, and if it's not there then then it's not there and Carnegie at the time they had sort of premiership ambitions um so so it wasn't just a case of you're going to play in the championship for a few years you you were anticipating being involved in title races, potentially getting a promotion out of it. Um, and that would have been a, an amazing launch pad. So, yeah, I mean, that must have been sort of a complete rethink of your career because, as, as you were saying, you, you kind of have this journey up the table in your mind and then potentially onto a bigger club. And then suddenly you're back in with all the academy lads, you know, who are, who are trying, to, trying to work their way up through a premiership club. And, and what was that, that, I mean, what was that change? Did that change your mind on, on how you were going to kind of like build your career? Or did you just think, I've just got to play rugby, get on with it? A bit of both, really. Um, you know, when they when they told us it was it was happening and when they told us it was probably looking likely that we'd have to move somewhere, you know, it is it is a big decision. 
um, especially at 18, you know, kind of never really lived on my own before. I knew that I was going to have to move away from Leeds because obviously there's no Premiership club in Leeds. So it'd either be, it could have been a team down in London or a team like Newcastle that could have been a couple more, couple more hours away. Um, you know, luckily Sale is only an hour away. So for me, it, it hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been too far away from home. Um, but yeah, like you said, for for an 18-year-old or for, for other people, it could result in, you know, big moves and big life decisions. But, you know, at the time, you know, as, as a young person or as anyone that's, you know, pursuing a career in rugby, you do have to think rugby first as as much as you can because, you know, that's going to be, the, that hopefully going to be your life for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. I'm picking up on the fact that you're quite a loyal, sentimental person. Is that right? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just curious. I mean, obviously, you have an attachment to Yorkshire Carnegie for quite a lot of reasons, but it seems like you're someone who maybe really gets quite attached. Is maybe the wrong word, but aligned with a club and its values. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I ended up playing a Carnegie the other day. Well, I think it's Tykes now. I ended up playing Tykes um, a couple, uh, three or four weeks ago now for Sale FC. Um, and I was playing a couple of the boys that I was actually in the academy with who are still there. Um, so that was obviously that was quite quite good to have that competition there. Yeah, we had the Tykes head coach John Callard on a few weeks ago. So yeah, 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 he was he, he was with us actually for for a little bit. John Callard. Um, yeah, yeah, of course he was. Just going back to something you said earlier, you, <laughs> was that a call out for on James Whitcomb? I heard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. maybe. Ahead of no, taking the taking the field well. against him at the weekend. <laughs> hope, yeah, hope, hopefully. I mean, we, we we played him a couple of weeks ago, which is which is always good competition. Um, it's always good to play, you know, a familiar face. But yeah, I mean, he, he should have come down the Yorkshire route. <laughs> so if the two of you square off on, on Saturday, who's who's winning that that little? <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows the answer to that question. <laughs> now, looking at um, your journey and juggling. Sale Nottingham Trailfinders, Sale FC. You've obviously, you know, been around the block quite a little, little bit in the past two how two years, and you've obviously kind of tried to keep two squads up at the same time. How have you managed that in terms of integration in both camps and sort of not leading two half rugby lives, as it were, and still leading your full, you know, clear direction, unified life, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, going on going on loans always always quite tough especially if you're a, if, you, if you're new um obviously it's kind of a lot of the time when you come on loan from a from a from a team in the premiership kind of they they want you to kind of be straight in if that makes sense and obviously that can ruffle a few ruffle a few feathers here and there so for me it was just kind of going and trying to get on with the lads as best as possible really you know the guys at Nottingham were great um I knew a few a few boys playing there as well like Joe Browning and stuff that's at Leicester and then at Sale FC kind of was an easier balance than Nottingham because we could kind of match it up, marry it up real nice in terms of where we trained on a Tuesday, where we trained on a Thursday and how much we did on those days. Um, whereas Nottingham was a bit bit tougher in terms of, you know, Tuesday's definitely nothing at Sharks. Thursday's definitely nothing at Sharks because you're, you're there down training. So for me, it was just kind of, you know, getting to know all the lads at those clubs, you know, really getting on with them and just kind of, Focusing on the rugby, like I said before, training hard when you do get the opportunity at Sharks, but also going going to Nottingham and trying to trying to be the best you can there because ultimately that's where you're going to be getting your minutes. Um, so and, that, and that's all the coaches are looking at. 
really is you know how you perform on the weekend you were talking just there about your sale experience sale fc experience you got a decent run of games uh, last year and managed as some of our avid readers will know were involved in a really tight race for the title massive points totals for all the teams around the top of that one last year um it's a bit of a cliche question but what kind of lessons have you learned in terms of your experience albeit at a different level standing you instead for um you know a potential title challenge at the top level you know not just this season but in the rest of your career i think um i think a lot of people say it anyway um a bit cliche as well but kind of just that one game at a time mentality you know we had for that fc race we had a couple of games and then we had coldy you know that was going to be the big game at the end but that was kind of one game before the final game that we still had to win so it was just kind of focusing on every game and each game as it were instead of thinking you know the, the teams we had running into coldy were probably expected to win so everyone knew at the back of their mind that coldy game was going to be was going to be the decider but it's not getting caught up and not getting hung up on that and you know taking on the challenge that you've got on the weekend and then when that big game comes you kind of you know unfortunately it didn't swing the way of fc which would have been nice um it swung the way of coldy but you know that's sometimes how rugby happens and you know good for them they've they've gone from national two to the championship in a couple of seasons so it's pretty mental cold that that cold yeah. story isn't it um it is, yeah I want to sway away from rugby a little bit and just in your downtime, we've mentioned goal, but what else makes you tick? I mentioned it before, just kind of heading back home, really. Um, it's only an hour away for me, luckily, um, just across the Pennines. Um, you know, I've got the missus and the family back in Leeds. Um, so kind of just going back there, getting, getting your head away from getting your head away from Manchester, head away from rugby and just kind of focusing on that, on that family time back home, really. PlayStation here and there. <laughs> <laughs> What's your game of choice? At the moment, NBA 2K, I'm, I'm loving that at the moment. Uh, nice. FIFA is always a classic, um, but I haven't actually bought it this year yet. Um, I'm stuck on NBA. Last year of FIFA as well. So I know it is, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. But at the moment, me and, uh, me and three of the lads here are smashing NBA at the minute. We're loving it. So Really nice one. And how often do you head home? Probably about once a week, um, unless sometimes they, they'll come over. And my, my dad's retired now, so he's got all the time in the world. Um, so he sometimes pops over and, you know, on, a, on a Wednesday or a Thursday if we've got it off and then I'll, I'll probably won't go back. But Are you quite close with family in, in that respect then? Is your dad a bit of a mentor to you? He is, yeah. He was, he was actually a footballer when he was, when he was growing up. Um, so he didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't play much. I mean, he, he didn't get hugely far in football, but um, you know, he, didn't, he wasn't a rugby player as, as a young lad. Um, so he's kind of been learning and helping out as I've been growing up. And you know, understands it as well as he can at the minute. But now he's now he's asking a lot of questions about rugby in terms of certain things that I know a bit more than he does. Why did you choose um, rugby union over rugby league? Living in Leeds, um, it was it, to be honest, it was actually down to my mum. My dad, my dad loves loves golf as well. Uh, my dad's an avid golfer, and he he used to play every Saturday and every and every Sunday. Um, and my mum hated football, so she obviously had me and my brother with on Saturday and Sunday. And, because he was playing golf, so she used to take us to rugby instead of football because she couldn't stand there watching football for an hour and a half. In terms of the Sail Shark squad, it's quite interesting because you've got quite a lot of different age demographics. You know, obviously, Tom Curry, Ben Curry, you've got Johnny Hill, who's just come in, who, you know, I'd imagine are more the mentor types to you. And then you've got the likes of Rafi Quirk, 
Tom Roebuck, etc., who obviously very similar sorts of ages. Are there people you're closer to and people who are more your mentors in the squad? To be fair, uh, speaking of Rafi and Roebuck, I, I, we used to have our academy house. Um, I live with those two for two years and I actually live with Roebuck at the moment in a flat with Manchester. So I'm, I'm yeah, real close to to those lads and, you know, the Currys are are quite a, quite a similar age to us and they do end up coming out and spending a bit of time with us here and there. So definitely, but, you know, like I said before, we kind of, there's not really anyone in the squad that you can't really go up to and, you know, have a conversation with and talk to. I was like, it's a very integrated squad at the moment, which is really, really yeah. good to hear. It's time to do your random rugby 15, 15 quick, quick fire questions to get to know you a little bit more, rugby and non-rugby related. When you're ready, we'll get going. Yeah, perfect. Nickname. At the moment, it is just carps. Uh, pretty, pretty standard. There's nothing, uh, nothing fancy going on there. Yeah, no follow-up questions to that one. <laughs> Best rugby memory. Oh, tough one. Apart from the weekend, um, probably getting picked for um, England 16s um, after Wellington. Kind of didn't expect it at all. Um, I was at my local rugby club, and all the lads were like, "Yes, lad, you've done really well." I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then one of them showed me that I was got in. Um, so I was absolutely buzzing for that session. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty mean. Most embarrassing rugby memory? Oh, um, probably getting our asses spanked by Rosalind Park back in the day. We went to a uh, sandal festival that we were expecting to win. Um, and we came and this London team that we hadn't really heard about came up. Um, and we were all pretty pretty cocky at the time. We were, we were not quite a bad side. And we got absolutely dished up by this side, about 40, tra- 40 points to nil. And we were just head in hands, didn't know what to do. Got your revenge last season, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, just about. <laughs> Pre-game tune. My AirPods have actually just broken um, about two weeks ago, so I, I was relying on Hilly this weekend, the, the the DJ in the in the change room. But I do usually quite like Drake. I, I put trophies on usually before a game. I'm sorry to hear about the AirPods. Are you getting them fixed, or are you investing in some oh, other headphones? Buy some new ones. They're they're a long way done, I think. Oh, but the airport, oh, everyone I know who has airports and myself included, they're either broken or lost. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not a believer in the investment, to be honest, personally. But there we go. Post game meal. It was. It used to be a Five Guys, but they've uh, they've brought Wingstop to Manchester now. I don't know if you've had oh, Wingstop. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Wingstop chicken wing. Yeah, he's one of my one of my favourite at the minute. Me and me and Robert do like a good Wingstop. That's really strong, actually. I rate that. Best player you've played against? Played against. Oh. Um, it would probably be from this weekend, to be honest. Um, probably either, either Slade or Hoggy. Like you said, Hoggy might not be quite in his prime at the minute, but you know, if we look at him from the past, then best player you've played with Tom Curry. Probably he's he's absolutely phenomenal at the moment. He is just everywhere. You know, he's 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 playing some seriously good rugby. Yeah, probably him at the moment. Do you think he should play six or seven for England or eight? I don't think he'll play eight, but yeah, I think. Personally, I think you should play seven. Um, okay. But I mean, he is, he is, he'll do brilliantly all, all around the back, back row. Favourite player right now? Right now, to be honest, I, I hate to say, but I do like Freddie Stewart at the moment. I've, I've, I've known him for a, li- a little bit now, um, coming through kind of the 18s and 20s stuff, and he's, he's playing some really good rugby. That's very um, magnanimous of you to say. <laughs> in five years, you could be in the, in the England squad and Freddie Stewart just keeps edging you out and you will <laughs> not be saying that about Freddie Stewart anymore. <laughs> Rugby idol. Uh, back in the day, it was Mike Brown. I used to used to really love watching him play um, for England. Um, so it, it probably could still be him, but 
you know, he, he's obviously moved on now and kind of doing what he's doing. Favourite stadium? Um, would have to be La Rochelle's. Played there in the European Cup, got about eight minutes about two, three years ago. And their, yeah, their, their crowd was electric. Did you see they got their 70th sellout in a row last week? They, wow. Honestly, yeah, they're, 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 the, the crowd is crazy there. Unbelievable. Just warming up, it was probably the noisiest, noisiest rugby stadium I've ever been in, definitely. That's a great stat from you, Nick, as well. I've got plenty of them locked away. I've nicked that straight out of the paper. James Harrington's uh, French column. It might not even be Larachelle, but I'm pretty sure it is. It's a great stat and a promo to one of our articles. Yeah, exactly. Two two birds with one stone. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. What a digital editor. Favourite gym exercise? Well, probably bench, the classic. Um, I've been, like I said, I've had a few lower body injuries over the past past few years. And you know what they're like when you've got a lower body injury. They just shove you in and bolt you up up top. (laughs) <laughs> I thought you'd say but I don't know whether it, you're sort of sitting like that at the moment I was like he definitely likes a bench press <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> occupation if rugby didn't exist um, I probably always said it probably a PE teacher I kind of aimed uh, aimed high so you know I probably wouldn't have had much else on <laughs> superstitions uh, I don't really have any realistically I, you know I probably probably uh, I don't really get get down with kind of any, any of those I don't have anything on game day or anything Rugby law you would change? Uh, probably take out the mark, you know, just gets a bit more flow in rugby, you know, you could splatter people into 22 or they catch you and run the pitch. So that well, means you... Well, to say that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That, great. that means you back yourself to do the splattering rather than get splattered, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I bet Alex Anderson would absolutely love that. That rule taken out. <laughs> Best thing about working in rugby? I think the camaraderie. Um, yeah. I don't think you get it anywhere else, really. You can kind of take, take the piss out of everyone and, you know, have a, have, a, have a good time with with the lads as well, you know, going out and working hard and putting the effort in. 100%. Right, 15 questions done. Thank you for doing that, Joe. No problem. Let's get back to... So I want to talk about... Well, I meant to talk about your injury struggles a little bit earlier. So I know you got injured when you were with England under-18s. Was that the biggest setback that you had? Probably, probably not. Um, probably the the biggest one would would have been my uh, my first meniscus um, tear that I had last season. Kind of obviously that that England 18s and England 20 stuff is obviously when you when you when you're young, you love to get out there and and play that stuff. But kind of it wasn't the be all and end all. I'd kind of watched quite a few of the lads here went through it. Um, I know Wilco missed missed the 20s World Cup. I know Bev missed a lot of the 20s through injury and they those boys kind of said look you know you it's not the be all and end all like as, as long as you keep working hard then then you hopefully it doesn't you know define what, what's going to happen for you but the meniscus I had last season kind of was just before Prem Cup um there was probably going to be quite a few opportunities in that and from from the Prem Cup this year luckily ended up having a start in the Prem so whether that would have happened last year I don't know but you know it's awful when you've you've got potential to play in the first team and you get injured and you watch kind of some of the lads that, you know, you're in the in the changing room with getting an opportunity and you're stuck in the gym. As a fullback, obviously, a knee injury is probably a little bit of a sort of red flag because you kind of worry that in terms of stepping off one leg, it just might never quite be the same again. Did you have that sort of worry with rehab at all? Um, well, I, I ended up doing it again, so I've done it, I've done it twice now. Yeah, I know, I know, but look, on, as in, on the same leg. Um, I don't just mean doing the injury again, but you know, even when you're fit and firing, just the maybe it's partly 
look, I've had a lot of knee injuries and it's partly psychological um, and partly physiological. But just that idea that you can't quite really step or accelerate off that leg, explode off it in the same way, regardless of whether the, knee, the knee's officially fit and firing or not. Yeah, I mean, for me, I kind of try not to have that in my head at all, um, just because, you know, if, if you're kind of going out there thinking thinking that you might be struggling or you can't do that or you can't do that, then you might, you know, could could be mistaken there or you could do something that you could have done, but you ha- didn't because you were worried. I do get it strapped. Kind of that could have been my superstition. Uh, I do get it strapped now just because, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you don't, you, you just want as much support there as you can. Um, but I do try and go into every game thinking, you know, the body's fine and I can do everything. Let's talk about England. Have you heard from Eddie Jones at all? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Not yet. Not of, not of one game, no. I, I just wanted to get that question out of the way. I had to ask. And in terms of your own, obviously, presumably you want to play for England. Have you pictured your path into the England setup and how would that look from here, do you think? I, I, I think for me, it's, uh, you know, obviously every young... English wants to play for England, and that's that's the dream for when you're when you're about six. Um, but you know the the opportunities come now to hopefully get a good run of you know Premiership games. Um, and for me at the moment, it's just kind of getting better and developing as a player. Um, you know, kind of that if if the England stuff does happen eventually, then you know that that would be brilliant. But at the moment, I'm kind of not hedging my bets for that at all. It's just about you know getting better and you know trying to play every week play as much as I can um, and hopefully, you know, if, if it comes, it comes. I think what's particularly interesting about the 15 jersey at the moment is it's obviously occupied at the moment by Freddie Stewart. Then you've got the likes of Tommy Freeman, George Furbank, Henry Arundel, Max Malins. Mm-hmm. Elliot Daly is obviously, you know, a little bit older. There are so many candidates for that shirt. And I guess I'm not necessarily a big believer in sort of playing the politics of rugby and, you know, switching positions to be able to, you know, fill a shirt where there isn't quite that level of competition, but you look at the midfield and, for example, there isn't that necessarily that, yeah. that level of it. Elliot Daly was a, a midfielder slash fullback. Could you see yourself ever doing anything like that? Um, I think being multi-positional is obviously a big benefit, especially guys like Malins, you know, that can play on the wing fullback. You know, Arundel can do the same. So, you know, if it, if it came to it, then I, you know, I'd be open. If if it was a case of, you know, with a few weeks down the line, they've gone, we we have an injury, and we want you to play on the wing, and someone else is going to play fifteen. Then obviously, I'd I'd take that on my stride and do that. At the moment, I do see myself as a fifteen, you know, pretty strongly. But I would obviously be open to that multi-positional stuff if if it would benefit me in in the long run. Now, slightly um, dicey question, but I was actually having a discussion with one of the guys in my rugby team about how the role of the fullback has changed, particularly in the last five or six years. High ball mastery is obviously now an absolute given as a fullback. And with kick chases being so good and well drilled, the sort of opportunity for that fullback that just carves up a team, you know, the dog legs just aren't quite there in the way that they were, particularly internationally, I'm saying domestically, you still kind of see it. Yeah. Would you say that in that sense, the role of the running fullback has diminished a little bit? And now it's, you know, you look at some of the best fullbacks in the world, your Freddie Stewart's, more the tactician and the high ball expert is the sort of fullback supreme at the moment. I think so. I mean, I, I, I still think, like you say, domestically, there is loads of opportunity. I mean, you know, we touched on him there. Rundle scored some seriously good tries from running. I think as a whole, they'll, they'll always pop up as a fullback, you know, kind of, like you say, the, the box kicks and the contestable kicks now are coming in massively. And a lot of the time it is kind of catch and get tackled. 
But I think for us, it's for us as fullbacks and back three, it's kind of just waiting for that right time. You know, that one kick that does go long that you can maybe shift an extra pass and then move it to that space is, is obviously still part of the game and still something that we want to look to do. But I, I would agree with you to some extent that, you know, as a 15, high balls are essential. And, you know, the kicking game is developing a lot more. You know, chases are, chases are getting better, more organised. And finding that backfield space is probably more of a more of an option these days than, you know, just the out and out catch and run and beat loads of players. Do you find that a bit of a shame as a fullback? I mean, you mentioned Mike Brown and around that era, I think, was a, a bit of a golden age for fullbacks in international rugby. You had Mike Brown, Ben Smith, Stuart Hogg, Israel Folau, Vili LaRue. And I just remember being at a, at a Twickenham crowd and the ball would get kicked to the backfield to, well, Mike Brown is obviously, he was the home fullback and so it'll be him. And there would be that sort of murmur of, of excitement at the prospect of a counter attack. I do think the role of that or the, the, the presence of that has diminished at international level. And as someone who watched those types of fullbacks and sort of modelled yourself after them, is that a little bit of a shame? I think it would be. I think there's definitely still opportunity for that within the game. I do agree with you. I think, you know, when fullbacks and back three players are getting the ball and there is a counter-attack opportunity, then, you know, everyone should get excited, and especially as players, we should definitely get excited. I mean, I know I do. I, I would say I like to counter and try and run as the best I can. But in terms of it diminishing, I think contestable kicks now are coming into the game massively. And I know we look at it as, as a big part of our game um, in terms of, you know, going, winning them 50-50 battles in the air. And it, it does take away, you know, the running game as such. But, you know, opportunities don't come massively in top-end rugby anymore. So, you know, when they come, I think it's just about taking them and being decisive in that in that moment. Lastly, before we wrap up, I want to look ahead to Tigers this weekend. Now, before this podcast, I did check the teams weren't yet released. I'm guessing the teams have been announced. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. They might, they, they might have done. It's usually a Thursday or a Friday. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Nick, have you seen them? I can check again. It's usually midday Friday that the teams are released. Yeah, I figured so. Uh, for yeah. Saturday again. Joe, are you in a position to tell us whether you're involved at the weekend? Uh, I am luckily involved again, yeah, this weekend. Um, so that's so that's really exciting for me, you know, an opportunity to back up last weekend, which is exciting. Biggest game of the season so far for you boys? Um, probably. You know, they are they are the, the champions, the reigning champions, and you know, it's always going to be a big physical battle against those boys. Um, we like to pride ourselves on our physicality, um, and I think they do too. Um, so I think it's gonna be a massive, massive battle up front. Um with the packs and then I think as a whole it'll just be a big you know like you say I think it'll be a bit of a kick fest this weekend contestables you know they, they quite like to kick long as well um, so there could be hopefully some opportunities to to get some counter attack this weekend and what has that so you mentioned the upfront battle do you think that's the sort of if if you guys were to upset the champions and that isn't to say that you're necessarily out and out underdogs but you know against the reigning champs you're probably going to be on paper is that upfront battle the key? Do you think? Uh, I think massively. You know, they they pride themselves on you know, scrum, maul, dominance, um, physicality up front, and I'd, uh, and I think we do as well. So I think it will be a big battle in those areas, um, and I think it will determine a lot for this weekend who who comes out on top there, um, and then you know the rest of it is kind of up up to the backs to decide how much. I feel like Leicester, having come off the back of a disappointing loss, under a little bit more pressure, reigning champions, you guys are riding a bit of a tidal wave at the moment. 
good to see that you've already started the mind games by calling Freddie Stewart your uh, favourite player. Um, <laughs> but what do you think? I mean, do you think that they are under, that you guys are kind of going into it with a, obviously you want to win, but you're less worried about the prospect to defeat than they might be. Does that put them under more pressure or do you think it's going to be even Stevens in that department? Uh, I think so. I think, you know, when you do come off the back of a pretty hefty, hefty defeat, it, there is a bit of pressure to, you know, set it right. Because, you know, when you when you lose by, you know, 50 points, there's there's probably a lot of things that have gone wrong in the game. And as as coaches, you know, they want to see that corrected next weekend. And lucky lucky for us, we get to we get to challenge them on that and, and force them to do it. So hopefully we can uh, stop that from happening and have a bit of an upset at Welford Road. So are you smelling blood? Yeah, definitely. Um, can't wait to get stuck in, you know, second game as well. There's no, there's, there's no better to do than the champions. Well, I look forward to a scrap between you and James Whitcomb. <laughs> Definitely. Well, if, if, if he's, he's uh, involved, if, he, if he's picked as well. Yeah, exactly. Prop versus fullback for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> right, Joe, it's been great talking to you. Go well at the weekend. And it really does sound like Sarah in such a strong position for the rest of the season. So I said this with Bath a few weeks ago, but I think the Premiership is always stronger with a strong sales side. So hopefully we can see you fighting for not only a playoff space, but top spot by the end of the season. Definitely. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, guys. As always, the rugby paper is available in stores on Sundays, or you can get it delivered straight to you through our digital subscription. Of course, the Women's World Cup gets underway this Saturday, so all the best to the Red Roses in their opening fixture against Fiji. Next week, we'll look back at the opening weekend and look ahead to the tournament as a whole, welcoming back England record-breaker Rocky Clark, as well as, as, well as high-flying winger Abby Dow.